0: Matheson Talks Financial Regulation. Conversations on key issues and new developments in financial services in Ireland.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Matheson Talks Financial Regulation. My name is Clare Scannell and I am the professional support lawyer to Matheson's Financial Institutions Group. I was recently joined on the podcast by my colleagues, partners Darren Marr, Joe Bishal, Neve Mulholland and Ian Mara. Where we discussed some of the key legal and regulatory developments of 20, 2023, which impacted regulated financial service providers in Ireland. This episode is part of a four part series derived from that original podcast, which considers some of the key insurance specific comments made during that podcast. We start with Darren Marr, head of the Financial Institutions Group, who considers the consolidation in the Irish insurance broker market and the role the central bank has had to play in that process.
2: So I think from the insurance side, the most interesting development in the market over the past number of years has been the aggregation in the insurance broker sector. It was a sector, I think, that was ripe for aggregation. You had a lot of smaller brokers around the country and you've a lot of money being deployed from the UK in particular, looking to aggregate those businesses and bring them under a single roof. Uh, We've seen a lot of competition for acquisition uh, and a lot of acquisitions that have taken place over the course of the last number of years. We now get to a point where all of those particular aggregators are looking to integrate those businesses that they have acquired. And so for them, the next step will be to ensure that they bring the central bank on that particular journey. I think there's a number of areas where the regulator will be interested to see how those integrations are carried out. I think the first one will be from a compliance perspective, if you're bringing a large number of policyholders into a single entity, it's the communication with the policyholder. So the policyholder understanding that going forward, albeit their policy remains with the insurer, the advice that they're getting from the broker is now from a single broker. It's a different broker who will be operating kind of a different model. And so it may really important that the customers understand through a really detailed communication plan that I think will have to be shared with the regulator as to who the broker is going forward, the type of advice that they can expect. That'll be, I think, the most important part uh, from the central bank's perspective. On the journey to acquisition, some of these brokers, not all of them, in order to buy them, you do need central bank consent, depending on the type of authorization that they have. Some of them still have the old IAA or Investment Intermediaries Act authorization and therefore change of control provisions did apply. So for the most part, the regulator will be aware of the activity but again, for any new entity entering the Irish market, they may have completed their acquisitions, but they'll have to demonstrate to the regulator their real commitment now to policyholder protection, to policyholder engagement, and to making sure that their policyholders are getting best in class advice going forward. So that'll be really important.
1: Next, Darren Maher speaks to his key observations from the European Insurance Forum in October 2023, which Matheson were a key sponsor of.
2: So I had the, uh, the pleasure of interviewing Charles Bindemore, the CEO, global CEO of Intact, the Canadian insurance group at the European Insurance Forum in October, run by Insurance Ireland. We've been actively involved in participating and sponsoring that event for a number of years. So my discussion then with Charles Bindemore it considers some of the key topics influencing the insurance industry, uh, many of which were explored further throughout the day. So to run down to them, one of the things he focused on was climate change and you know, his point was the current insurance model will have to adapt in order to remain viable and climate, climate adaptation will be key to ensuring that viability. There was a lot of discussion about direct consequences of protection gaps and that's become, it's an ongoing issue within the insurance industry and the challenge it presents to the well-being of our economy and society and that's really where people have a policy, they believe it covers them in a particular way and it simply doesn't cover them for whether that's flooding, uh, whether that's fire risk and that presents a real problem for both businesses and homeowners. And it's something I think that regulators are really looking for insurers to consider. Cyber risk, as I think with every industry, was described as a massive threat to the insurance industry, but also interesting from the insurance industry perspective, a big opportunity, which it needs to come to terms with. And I think we're, we're a little bit away from that at the moment. The biggest talking point for me from the chat with Charles regards the influence and the current and protected influence of artificial intelligence on the insurance market. I think he he made a point really well. We need to ensure there are safeguards in place, in particular for customers, policyholders, but also you don't want to stifle that progress of AI. Interestingly, Petra Heikema of the chair of EOPA recently said that as a supervisory authority, EOPA is technologically neutral, which I found interesting. So her point being that if the insurer fulfills the same requirements, in accordance with regulations, EOPA doesn't care whether that's done on paper, an Excel spreadsheet or to get AI to do it for them. However, EOPA have made a really good point, which I agree with, and that is if you do use AI and it goes wrong, how do you pull back from that? Uh, How do you do that in a way that the customer isn't impacted? I think this is something that we'll hear more of in 2024.
1: Next, I asked Joe Beatle about the European Commission's Retail Investment Strategy proposal and why it has proven controversial within the insurance industry.
0: I think it's an interesting one, this proposal. The vast majority of EU rules are verticals, there's rules on insurance, rules for banks, rules for investment firms and, and, and they're sort of standalone packages. In the investment space, the the key rule there is is MiFID, Markets and Financial Instruments Directive, and that can first come in in two thousand and seven. I remember going to a, a conference in Brussels, MiFID one year on, which was not unsurprisingly in two thousand <laughs> and eight. Uh, <laughs> and that was run by the commission. So we had very senior commissioners, MEPs. We also had like heads of European consumer bodies, heads of European stock markets and so forth. And it was a really interesting uh, discussion. But one kind of talking point that kind of stuck with me, and it's obviously a long time ago now, was the observation that European consumers, somebody who has, let's say, 50,000 euro to, to invest, walks into an institution, it could be a bank or wherever, and depending on the product, the sales process and disclosures is completely different. You can come out with a, a deposit-based product, an insurance product or some sort of, uh, you know, securities or a fund and it's the same 50,000 and the same kind of probably investment outcome if you like, but the disclosure is the sales process is all kind of, it's a, uh, quite, quite different. What this is really trying to address and we have seen things like um, sort of kids and that kind of stuff to standardise that already. But this is a further evolution of that to really make a a much more standardised process so that it is really the same type of onboarding, same type of disclosures. I think the pressure points are on the disclosures. I think there are some sectors that, you know, will be forced to disclose more in relation to fees than they are at the moment. And others who already have that standard are delighted because they they want it to be a level playing field and others are quite happy the way it is, if you like. I mentioned the the 2008 story there was a point to that and the point that which was clearly policymakers at an EU level figured this was an important thing and they've taken that long to get it there so it is a file that will progress through and we'll come at the other end we will see it so one to watch still feels a little bit away but it's certainly one to watch and will affect everybody in one, one form or another.
1: Next, Darren Marr considers the regulatory messages delivered at both an Irish and European level throughout 2023 regarding product oversight and governance.
2: Yes, there. So this year we saw the outcome of two uh, reviews. So the first was the central bank's themed inspection on POG requirements and EOPA's peer review on POG. The EOPA review focused on how European regulators are supervising the application of POG requirements by insurance manufacturers. I think the main message coming out of that is that ultimately, notwithstanding the simplicity or the complexity of your product suite, firms are expected to have robust and effective POG processes in place. So the regulatory message, it's very simple and it's, it's, it's consistent with what we see across a lot of topics. Firmly to strengthen their POG processes, these were essentially introduced by the IDD in 2018 and it's fair to say there's been mixed Attempts by different insurance groups to ensure that they have strong Pog processes in place. is clearly something now that's under the spotlight of regulators. So firms really need to be getting on with strengthening those processes. Better alignment of their products and oversight and governance processes with the risk management. And also to put customers' interests at the heart of their business model. And that's really important from a product oversight and governance perspective. What you're trying to do is to ensure, as the product manufacturer, that you are designing and distributing products to the right cohort of customers where the interests of the customer and and the features of that particular product are aligned. So it's really important that insurers start to focus on this. A couple of points worth noting because as with a lot of topics now product oversight and governance is to be owned at a board level well, from a regulatory perspective. We see management with a real challenge of trying to figure out what detail do I bring to the board in relation to this because there's a huge amount of work and effort goes into that. And so what we would say is that ultimately the regulators as far as they're concerned proper product oversight and governance rests with the board. Therefore management need to ensure they're bringing a sufficient level of detail to the board to allow the directors to discharge their duty uh, and also to make sure that that audit trail is in place to demonstrate that the board took oversight of this and the board ultimately discharged their own responsibilities. Another point to mention we are seeing an increasing drive towards planning English reviews by insurance companies to make sure that their products are accessible, clear and transparent in accordance with regulatory expectations. Just a word of caution there. So as we've seen some of this, there's been a lot of insurance case law, especially in the UK over many years, which interprets certain specific language that is used in policy terms and conditions, insurance policy terms and conditions. So although certain phrases and words may seem archaic or old-fashioned, there's a lot of jurisprudence and a lot of case law behind that, which gives a lot of certainty to the meaning of those words. So I just encourage people, when you're rewriting your policy terms and conditions, be careful as to the language that you're replacing. And if you are replacing certain language, make sure you fully understand what that word wording means from a legal perspective. And if you are deleting it, that you are replacing it with something which aligns with the legal understanding of that wording. So I just encourage people just to bear that in mind. The other, the other point then is just, to highlight EOPA's supervisory statement regarding protection gaps in insurance policies. That really should come out now in proper POG reviews. We're selling a particular policy here. What's the expectation of the customers of what's covered? What is actually covered under that policy? Are these exclusions fair? Are these exclusions reasonable? Do our customers understand these exclusions? Do the customers have a different understanding of what's covered by the policy? And that should all now be taken into account and properly documented in order to avoid those protection gaps in the future.
1: Finally, Darren Marr highlights some of the key areas of importance which should be on the radars of insurers and insurance intermediaries in 2024.
2: So we'll start off with just from a European perspective, Claire. the adoption of the Solvency II Amending Directive, which is very important for the industry, is being promised for mid to 2025, the it has been moved by the Commission. If that deadline is to be reached, a lot of the heavy lifting will have to be done throughout 2024. So we're anticipating a lot of progress on that front. The main area focus that we are expecting, and certainly our clients are asking about a lot, is in relation to proportionality, and that's very understandably so. The, particularly the supervision of low-risk profile undertakings. I mean, it's just extraordinary the level of financial reporting, for example, that they have to do, even though they're low risk on a quarterly and annual basis. We would expect there to be some changes there to make life that bit easier for those firms. Also, the relaxation of ring-fencing requirements and the holding periods of assets uh, to free up capital and the possible reduction in the risk margin. So, these are really important features of the, of the current Solvency II regime. And it is expected that, certainly from proportionality perspective, those requirements will be reduced for low low risk entities. The other piece I mentioned, just the IDD or the um, Insurance Distribution Directive. EOPA is required to prepare a report on its application every two years. Next report is expected early this year, given the topics considered during the five year of the IDD event held by EOPA in March 2023. Expecting to see commentary and recommendations regarding ongoing issues relating to practical application of the IDD, digitalization, and new distribution models, obviously very important emergence of more sustainable insurance products and integration of sustainability factors, risks and preferences into the IDD. So all of that is very important as, as part of that, that review. The other piece, just to mention EOPA for its 2023 to 2026 strategy, a key focus in there will be protection gaps, which we've mentioned a number of times during this, this podcast. From a domestic perspective, just three things to mention on the insurance side. So the impact of the risk of the hardening reinsurance market, that's obviously a big issue for insurance companies and seedents who are engaging with the reinsurance market. The central bank has indicated it expects firms to do an in-depth consideration of this risk moving forward. So the central bank has asked for that. People need to document that review and have clear action points which are which are followed up on and, and implemented. And then regarding the guidance for insurance and reinsurance undertakings on climate change risks, that was published in March of last year. The central bank has recently provided firms examples of best practice in this area encourage them to reflect on this as they develop their climate change response. Firms need to take this into account when carrying out their own risk assessments. Finally, some people listening to this podcast in the insurance sector may already be in scope of the Central Bank's cybersecurity thematic review. That's aimed at assessing a range of cybersecurity controls based on responses to recent cybersecurity questionnaire and we understand the central bank will continue this theme of reviews thematic reviews on, on cyber risk into 2024 so there may be further communication with firms on this
1: so that is just a snapshot of some of the key observations made on insurance from the podcast for more detail on this and other sectoral specific considerations you can hear the full podcast by following the link in the description And for the best way for our listeners to keep up to date on legal and regulatory developments throughout 2024, check out the Financial Institutions Group's weekly Top 5 at 5 email. FIG's Top 5 at 5 is a complimentary weekly subscription service where our subject matter experts highlight five of the previous week's key financial services developments. If you're not subscribed and you would like to be, please reach out to myself and we will have you added to that list. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Join us next time on Matheson Talks Financial Regulation.
0: Thanks for listening to Matheson Talks Financial Regulation. For more information on issues raised in this podcast or for any general queries, you can contact claire.scannel at matheson.com or visit our website at matheson.com.